Welcome everyone to Daf Yomi, one week at a time, Masechet Nazir. Um, this is our second class, and today we are going to be reviewing Daf 9 through 15. Uh, We're going to start and finish uh, all of the second chapter, so that is uh, what we are going to do today. Okay, Daf uh, 9 is the beginning of the second chapter. Uh, we begin with a Mishnah. The Mishnah tells us, um, if a person says, I am a Nazir from figs. Now, we know, as you can see in the picture, right, a Nazir is someone who is not allowed to uh, eat grapes. It has nothing to do with figs. So what happens when someone says um, that they're a Nazir from figs? So Beit I say that it works and the person is a Nazir. Beit Hillel say the person is not a Nazir. Rabbi Yehuda says that um, he has to say that figs are forbidden to him. Uh, and therefore, um, again, maybe it is that he isn't a Nazir, but it's a prohibition against eating figs, uh, and it's like a regular vow. So the Gemara explains this Mishnah. So Beit I say that people mean, right, what's their idea? People mean what they say. Therefore, if they say Nazir, they meant to be a Nazir. And even though they got confused at the, the fruit part, um, the person wanted to be a Nazir. Beit Hillel say, we go according to the last thing that they say. And if they say they want to be a Nazir from figs, <coughs> excuse me, um, and since there's no such thing, uh, then the person is not a Nazir. Um, Beit I hold that you cannot petition for the vow of Nizirut to be annulled. Um, Beit Hillel say that, um, that you need to make proper vows. Therefore, saying that you're a Nazir from figs doesn't work, right? It's not the appropriate uh, context, and therefore it is invalid. So now we see that there's a machloket. If Beit Shammai holds that the person is a Nazir, or, sorry, if the per that the person is a Nazir and they're prohibited from figs as well, um, and if Beit Hillel say he isn't a Nazir, but, he, but the person is prohibited from figs or, uh, or not, meaning they're not a Nazir and they're not prohibited from figs. Um, let's continue another idea. If someone says, I'll bring a grain offering, a mincha of barley. Now, usually it's wheat. It's not barley. So what does that person mean? So the question is, one option is they need to bring the grain offering and bring it out of wheat because that's the regular offering, or it's not valid at all because you didn't take the proper form of the vow. Um, if the person says, if I would have, right, I made a mistake. If I would have known that the right formulation was wheat, then that's what I would have said. So then it works. Um, Sorry. Um, what if the person said um, they will bring a grain offering from lentils? 
Now, lentils aren't even a green, even though I guess nowadays there could be such thing as lentil flour, but it's not common. Um, so then the Gemara says that would be meaningless, or no, it's valid. And again, you need to bring the green offering from wheat and not lentils. Or another option is when you said barley, maybe you meant like a, a, a there, sorry, there are um, sacrifices, grain sacrifices that are made out of barley. They are, they are not voluntary sacrifices, right? So like the Omer, right? We count Svirata Omer uh, between uh, Pesach and Shavuot. Uh, that is to commemorate the daily um, Omer sacrifice that was brought every day in the temple, and this was a barley grain offering. Or the Sota, who we're going to learn about in the next Masechet, uh, the suspected adulteress, she also brings a, a barley uh, offering. Um, so if you say that you want to bring something like that, the Gemara says, no, you still need to bring a wheat offering because as I mentioned, there's no such thing as a voluntary barley offering. Okay, Daf 10, we have a new Mishnah. Uh, let's say a person says, this cow said that I'm a Nazir if the cow stands up. Or the door said I'm a Nazir if the door opens. Uh, now, you might be saying, what is going on? So, uh, let's finish the Mishnah. Beit Shammai says, he is a Nazir. And Beit Hillel says, no. Or, Beit Shammai means that the cow or the door became forbidden to the person, not that they're really a Nazir. So, again, if you remember, uh, in Masechet Nedarim, we use different words to make something prohibited, right? It's like a sacrifice, konam, orban. So <laughs> it seems that in this, um, in this Mishnah as well, when we say, I'm a Nazir, uh, maybe it means that, that the person is saying that the door or the cow will be forbidden to them. Another option is that a person is projecting, right? They want to be a Nazir, but they don't want to take on the responsibility. So they say, oh, the cow told me that I should be a Nazir. Uh, or the third option is they really want the, the cow to stand up. So they say, right, I will be a Nazir if the cow stands up. So those are different ways to understand this Mishnah. Uh, so the Gemara explains. Um, Right, Rami Barham explains the case. Uh, basically, the cow refused to get up, right? The person is saying, like, get up, get up, get up, and it won't get up. So the person said, I'll be a Nazir from its meat if it gets up, right? So basically, it's saying, I will not eat this cow's meat uh, if it stands up. Uh, and then it stands up. So Becham, I say, the person is a Nazir. And Beit Hillel say the person is not a Nazir, right? They, Beit Shammai hold that anytime you use the word Nazir, right, even if it's about another fruit or meat, you're still a Nazir, meaning uh, Beit Shammai say that people don't use the word Nazir 
lightly. And therefore, if you use the word Nazir, it means you really want it to be a Nazir. Beit Hillel say no. People say things all the time, and they probably just meant it as a vow, but not really as being a Nazir. Um, another option, right? A man says, I will bring this cow as a sacrifice that normally a Nazir brings, or I will be a Nazir from wine if the cow gets up, or if it won't stand up, right? Maybe the machloket is if the cow stands up alone versus with assistance, right? Maybe are you saying as long as it stands up, my vow has been fulfilled, or maybe it was I needed to help it, and since I didn't help it, so then the vow is inconsequential. Um, Beit Hillel don't think that if you say Nazir from meat, that he's a Nazir, right? As we mentioned before, Beit Hillel are very strict when it comes to being a Nazir. You need to take on a proper vow of Nizirut. According to Beit Shammai, as we said, um, right, he would be, the person would be a Nazir, but only if the cow got up, or maybe only if it stood up alone without assistance. Okay, Daf 11. Um, next Mishnah. Um, let's say right, they pour a person some wine, and then the person says, I'm a Nazir from that, right? So um, the Mishnah says that the person is a Nazir. Uh, so now there's a story. Once there was a woman who got very drunk, and she said this, right? I'm a Nazir from wine, right? Basically, she's trying to prevent herself from drinking more. Um, and the sages said that she only meant to prohibit the wine, and she is not a Nazir, meaning she didn't really mean to be a Nazir. Rather, she was just trying to stop herself from having wine. So now the Gemara says, wait a minute, the story seems to contradict the Mishnah, right? The Mishnah said that the person is a Nazir, and the story said that the woman isn't a Nazir. So what happened? So the Mishnah, the Gemara says that the Mishnah is missing a line. What line? That if the person is sober and then says, I'm a Nazir from this wine, then the person becomes a Nazir. But if the person is drunk, then they are not a Nazir. Because again, uh, this is a way for the person to make them stop um, serving them more wine. Okay, next Mishnah. Right? A person says, I will be a Nazir as long as I can drink wine. Now, we know that that is one of the things you definitely cannot do, right? Or uh, as long as I can become impure. So the Mishnah says the person becomes a Nazir and they cannot drink wine and they cannot become impure, meaning we disregard the second half of the statement, right? If a person says, I became a Nazir, but I didn't know that, it, that I couldn't drink wine, um, so then... Uh, the person is still prohibited from wine. Rabbi Shimon says the person is not a Nazir because they didn't realize what it meant to be a Nazir. Therefore, uh, they are not a Nazir. What if the person says, I knew wine was prohibited, but I thought that the sages would allow it for me because I can't survive without wine. 
so therefore I thought I could be a Nazir, but I could drink wine. Or um, because I'm a grave digger and I have to d- dig up graves and I I'm definitely need to become impure, so I thought it would be okay. Um, so the Gemara says he is the person is not a Nazir. Rabbi Shimon says the person is a Nazir. So now the Gemara explains this. If someone makes a vow that is conditional and that goes against the Torah, it's not valid, right? You cannot be say, I want to be a Nazir as long as I get to drink wine. That doesn't work because the definition of being a Nazir is not drinking wine. Um, the Gemara changes the last case and says that the, they, he, they flip it and they say that the sages say the person is a Nazir in the last case and Beach, and Rabbi Shimon says he isn't. Or in the first case, again, when the person said, as long as I can drink wine, um, the person only meant to go against one issue. Um, and therefore, uh, that seems to work. And Rabbi Shimon says, you need to accept all of Nizirut. Um, but in the second case, where the person became a complete Nazir, but then thought that the sages would allow one part, um, in that case, right, again, the person vows for all of it, but then the person wants to annul part of it. So in that case, the sages say you can, uh, sorry, the sages say that if you annul part of it, you annul the whole thing, right? We actually learned that in Masechet Nadarim. Uh, Rabbi Shimon says you can't even try to annul part of it, right? That doesn't work. Or it was an unavoidable vow, um, and therefore the person still is a Nazir. Okay, next Mishnah on uh, on the on Daf 11. Uh, a person says, I will be a Nazir and I will provide a sacrifice for a Nazir who completes their process and shaves their head. Um, and then, so that's one, one vow. And then a friend hears it and the person and the friend says, and me, <coughs> and me, right? And I will also provide a sacrifice for a Nazir. So the Mishnah says, if they're smart, they'll, they each become a Nazir, and then they can each provide the other one with the sacrifices. Again, to remind you, at the end of the Nazirut process, um, the person needs to bring three sacrifices. So here, they each vowed to become a Nazir and to bring a sacrifice for somebody else. So if they pair up, it would be really smart. Mm. <laughs> um, if they don't pair up, then they need to buy a sacrifice for somebody else. So the Gemara says, um, when someone says, and me, and we're going to see this today a lot, uh, right? When someone says, me too, right? What do they mean, right? Do they mean the whole statement or only part of it? And if it's part of it, which part, right? So uh, if I say, I want to eat um, chocolate and ice cream, and then someone else says, me too, right? So what does me too mean? Does it mean I also want to eat chocolate and ice cream? Does it mean you just want chocolate? Does it mean you want ice cream? 
I would want both, so that would work for me. But what does me too mean? Um, okay, so our Mishnah implies it's only on the first part of the vow, meaning they each become a Nazir. Or maybe it means the whole thing, right? And that's why they can buy, they buy sacrifices for each other. Okay, Daf 12 uh, continues. If a man sends an agent to betroth a woman for him, and he doesn't specify who, I'm not sure what the case is, but basically, right, a person says, oh, I need a wife, go over there and get me a wife, but doesn't say who that person should be. If the agent dies before telling him who he betrothed for him, then he's forbidden to all women, right, because maybe they're related to the one that he was betrothed to. Um, and why is this the case? Because we assume that an agent, a shaliach, always does their shlichut. Uh, they always do what they're told to do. Um, and we see, um, okay, um, and we, okay, and here we see that this woman who uh, he betrothed is, uh, again, a, a person, uh, and therefore we don't go by, right, one could say, the, right, if he betrothed one woman, uh, most of the women in the town are probably not related to those women, to that woman. Um, however, right, we actually saw this a few times, so I'll just remind you, um, we had the case where um, if you find, let's say, a piece of meat on the street uh, and there are nine stores, right, let's say there are 10 butchers, nine of which are not kosher and one is kosher, right? Do we assume that the meat is not kosher? Do we go according to the majority? Or do we say um, each moment, right, every time you went into a store, you have a 50-50 chance that it could be kosher or not kosher, right? So there's this idea that something that is stationary, we see it as uh, half, right, 50-50, right? The, the term in the Gemara is kol kavua, right? Anything stationary, kemechza umechza dami. It's like 50-50 chance, right? And therefore, every woman has a 50-50 chance if she's related to the woman um, who, uh, who uh, was betrothed, right? As opposed to, let's say, a bird that was forbidden, right? Um, it needs to be killed, and it flies into another group of birds that are going to be sacrifices. Here, right, because they fly around, they're mobile, we go by majority. If the majority are okay, so then they're all okay. Um, so now, let's say if a woman has no living relatives, right? Again, uh, the, that woman had no re living relatives. So then, um, so then uh, he could be with her, right? Because she doesn't have any relatives. Or even if she has a sister, but the sister was married at the time that the agent was sent, so then uh, he can... Uh, he can marry her. So now the Gemara asks, maybe he betrothed a woman who was married, and then she, they said, she said, right, when I get divorced, 
I'll be betrothed to that person. So the Gemara says, no, 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 that can't be the case, right? You can't send an agent to do something that you can't do, um, and therefore um, it doesn't work, um, and that is uh, the end of that case. Okay, next Mishnah on Daf 12. Um, a person says, I will provide for the shaving of half a nazir. And then the friend hears it and says, me too. So now each one has to provide sacrifices for a whole nazir, right? There's no such thing as half a nazir. Um, the sages actually say each one does half, uh, basically half of the sacrifices of a nazir. So the Gemara explains, if you say half the sacrifices, so then you bring half, right? But if you say half a nazir, there's no such thing as half a nazir. Therefore, you need to bring a full set of sacrifices um, because, as we said, there's no such thing as half a nazir. Um, the Mishnah has a machluket if this concept of half exists or not. Um, next Mishnah. Um, a person says, I will be a Nazir when I have a son, right? So again, a person really wants a son, uh, and then, um, and then, um, and then the question is, uh, what happens? Uh, if the person has a son, they become a Nazir. One second, I see Lynn wrote, um, is the shaving done with a razor, normally forbidden, or with scissors? And is this to complete baldness? Um, that is an excellent question. We are going to learn it later on in the Masechet. Um, it is actually um, baldness, meaning all hair, uh, the hair is shaven. Um, it, that's an excellent question in terms of um, sh scissors or a razor. I do not remember. I think we have to, let's wait and see. Uh, we will see it as the, um, as the Masechet continues. Excellent question. Um, okay, uh, so let's continue. So person says, I will be a Nazir when I have a son. Uh, they have a son. The person is a Nazir. If they had a daughter or um, a person whose um, genitals are either covered or um, has both genitalia, meaning tumtum or androgynous, um, the person is not a Nazir uh, because they didn't have a son. If they say, when I have a child, they are a Nazir, so then any child would make the person a Nazir. Okay, Daf 13, the Mishnah continues. If the wife, ah, so what happens if the wife gave birth and then the child died right away, or the wife miscarried? Um, basically, they're not sure if the child was born alive or not. Uh, so then the Gemara says the person is not a Nazir because they do not have a viable child. Or maybe the person is a Nazir because the child did live even though it was momentarily. Um, Rabbi Shimon says that a person needs to say, if it's a viable child, I'm a Nazir, right? Ah, sorry. So, how, so what happens with this case? So now the person needs to clarify. What do they say? 
If the child was viable, then I'm a Nazir because I have to be. But if not, then I'm going to take upon myself a voluntary Nazirut, right? Meaning the person clarifies that they're going to be a Nazir now, either because they need to be or because they're not sure and therefore they're taking it upon themselves voluntarily. Um, let's say, uh, what happens if uh, the woman has another child? So then the person becomes a Nazir right away. Or, again, maybe the person needs to clarify. If the first child was living, then I'll be a Nazir for that first child. And now I'm going to be a voluntary Nazir now because I'm not sure if this counts. And if the first child wasn't living, then the first time I was a Nazir was voluntary. And this time it is, uh, it is uh, because of my obligation. Um, so the Gemara explains, you might have thought that the word son, ben, meant child, right? Because sometimes banim, right, means children, not necessarily sons. Uh, so the Gemara clarifies, no, when a person specifically says ben, they mean son, uh, as opposed to um, child, right? Child means son or daughter. Um, with with uh, if a person miss if a woman miscarried, um, so you might have thought that it's a uh, nazirut that uh, you're a nazir bisafek, meaning we're unsure. Uh, the Gemara says no, uh, you you do not need to be a nazir in that case. Uh, Rabbi Shimon does think that we are unsure, and therefore you need to say uh, the statement that we mentioned previously. Um, let's say the woman miscarried, and then um, she separated a sacrifice, and then she gave birth to a twin, another child, right? So now it's a machloket if the animal is sanctified or not, right? Do we see a, a um, again, an unsure uh, nazir? Is it, are we more stringent or are we lenient? Um, Okay, uh, now we're going to talk again about hearing somebody else make a vow. Um, it's a little complicated, so I'll use names, right? So if Ruvain walked by and heard his friend Shimon saying, I'll be a Nazir if I had a son, right? So then that was Shimon. Now Ruvain says, me too. So now what does me too mean? Does it mean that when, um, again, Shimon was the first one who made the, the neder and Reuven is the me too. So when Reuven said me too, does it mean that when he has a son, he'll be a nazir? Or did he mean when Shimon has a son, I'll also be a nazir? <coughs> so the Gemara says, as long as Ruvain is standing in front of Shimon, he must have meant Shimon. Meaning, what's the idea? I care about my friend so much. I want that person to have a child. I'm going to say, me too, right? I also want you to have a child. So I'll also be an Azir if you have a child, right? If you talk about yourself, me too, I also want a child. And you say that in front of the other person, it's a little bit, in, it's a, a lot insensitive. Uh, and therefore, 
Um, it can't be that that's what you mean. What if, now let's add a third person. So the same case, Shimon is saying, um, I will be a Nazir, but this time he says, if Levi has a son, and now Ruvain says, me too. Again, does Ruvain mean me too when Levi has a son? Or does he mean himself when he has uh, a son? Uh, and that is left unresolved, as we say, teku. Okay, next Mishnah on Daf 13. Um, I will be, uh, the person says, I will be a Nazir and a Nazir when I have a son. Okay, so now we have two Nizirutes, meaning two um, Nizirut periods. Uh, one is now, right? I will be a Nazir, that's now. And then later, I will be a Nazir when I have a son. So the Mishnah explains, you start counting from, uh, you start counting, you start the first Nizirut, um, then if he, has, if he has a son in the middle, so then he um, finishes the first Nizirut, the, the 30 days, and then he starts the second one. Okay, if the person says, I will be a Nazir when I have a son, and then I'll be a Nazir, so, and, and I'll be a Nazir. So now, he starts his Nizirut, right, this, basically the second one. If he has a son, he starts, now he pauses. He does the Nizirut for the son, 30 days, and then continues with the first Nizirut, right? So it's like half, whole, half. Um, the Rosh explains that at the end, right, you wait till day 60, and then at the end of day 60, you bring two sets of sacrifices and shave the head only once. So the Gemara explains, if you say, let's say another case, I will be a Nazir in 20 days, and from now for 100 days. Um, so now, what happens? Right, again, there was uh, waiting 20 days and then a regular Nizirut and then 100 days starting from now. So the Gemara asks, do you wait 20 days, start the Nizirut, count 30, and then do 100? Or do you do 100, then in 20 days you do 30, and then you finish off the 100 days? So on Da 14, the Gemara explains that a short nizirut, meaning less than 30 days, um, you do not start. Meaning, because as we mentioned, because you need to cut your hair, um, the Gemara says you need to have a minimum of 30 days consecutively to be a nazir. So you cannot start something short uh, in the beginning and then cut it off. Right? Instead, you wait 20 days, then you do a regular 30, <coughs> and then you do 100 days. Um, or again, as we mentioned, maybe you start, you pause, and then you finish. What if you say, I'll be a Nazir in 20 days, and from now, I'll be a Nazir Olam, right? Nazir Olam means forever, right? Does it start now? Or no, because a Nazir Olam can't be paused. Right, it's forever, um, but you can try and um, annul 
a regular nizirut, uh, you can't annul the nazir olam. So maybe you can do that and annul the regular nizirut. Let's say the person said, I will be a nazir shimshon in 20 days. Again, this is forever as well. And a regular nazir for, from now. Um, now, you cannot annul the nazir shimshon. So now, does the regular nazirut start right away or not, right? Or do we wait 20 days? Um, let's say the person says, I'll be like Moshe on the seventh day of Adar. Is the person a nazir? Right now, if you know, um, Moshe was born on the seventh of Adar and he died on the seventh of Adar, right? Because he died on the seventh of Adar, he was no longer able to drink wine. So maybe the person is saying, I want to be a Nazir. Um, <coughs> um, so that's one question. Next, um, a person started their own Nizirut, and then they paused and started counting the Nizirut because they had a son, and now the person becomes impure. Now, uh, if you become impure, it cancels the nizirut that you're in. So the question is, does he lose all the days of the nizirut, meaning from the beginning, or only the current nizirut status and not the days that he started from before, right? And basically the Gemara asks, is it considered one long nizirut uh, period of time or is it seen as two separate? One, because the person took upon themselves to be a Nazir, and two, they took upon themselves to be a Nazir for their son. Um, so that's the machloket if it's seen as one long process or two separate. Um, another case, right? Let's say um, a person was a Nazir and then they became. Uh, a, a leper, they got tzara'at, and then in the middle of that, they became impure. Now, right, the question is, does the impurity cancel the nizirut, even though at the moment they were not a nazir really because they were having tzara'at? Um, so the, there's a machloket here if the tum'ah, if the impurity cancels the nazirut or not. Um, Okay, if the hair was shaven in the middle of the nizirut, right, as I mentioned, if the person became impure, um, so then you need to wait at least 30 days at the end in order to cut it, right? This is called the end of nizirut, meaning even if you only took a vow for 30 days, you might have to add extra days at the end uh, in order to cut the hair. So the extra waiting days are called gidul um, se'ar days, right? Days that you are growing your hair. Um, what if he, again, as we mentioned, what if the person became tameh then, right? It doesn't cancel the nizirut in those days because those are only supplemental days. They finished already the 30 days of being a nazir. Or it does cancel the nizirut because it's one long process and you haven't completed it yet. Therefore, you're still within the nizirut time period. Um, what happens if 
um, part of the sacrifice, right? You take the blood and you sprinkle it on the altar. And now the person becomes Tameh. So they're almost at the end of the process um, and they haven't shaved their head yet. Um, so the, the Gemara tells us that that person is stuck because they can't shave because they already brought their sacrifice, but the sacrifice got messed up and they can't bring another sacrifice. Um, day 30 of the Nizi route, um, and, okay, let's say you're at day 30 of the Nizi route and you can't get to the temple. If the person now, now it's day, let's say 31, 32, and then the person became impure. So the Gemara says you get lashes for that um, because you're still seen as a Nazir. But if the person shaves or drinks wine, they do not get lashes. Uh, right, and the question is why, uh, and the Gemara explains this is only because of the verse uh, that basically says that the becoming impure throughout the Nizirut period is problematic. The other things are less problematic. Uh, Daf 15 tells us um, there's a Brita that says that you cannot shave or drink wine or become Tameh. Right? Even after day 30, um, as long as you didn't bring your sacrifice. So that seems to refute the source that we just mentioned above. Okay, um, last Mishnah of this chapter. A person says, I will be a Nazir when I have a son and a Nazir for a hundred days. So the Mishnah says the hundred days starts right away. And if the son is born within the first 70 days, right? So 70 days, which leaves 30 days at the end. So then um, the person can observe both Nizirut um, periods concurrently, meaning you do not have to do 130 days. Here you do only 100 days because you did 70 plus 30 in the hundred days. So that's concurrent Nizirut status. Um, if the baby was born after 70 days, so then he pauses his own Nizirut, he keeps the 30 days, and then he finishes his Nizirut, again, because you can't have Nizirut for less than 30 days. So the Gemara explains, um, we said till day 70. So the question is, uh, what is the status of day 70 itself, right? Does day 70 count for both, meaning, um, right, for both the previous and the current Nizirut? Um, and therefore, when it says after 70, it means 71, or maybe it means even 72. Uh, and the Gemara says, no, 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 it means day 70, meaning till day 70, it's fine, including 70, uh, as opposed to day 71. Um, so now um, the Gemara brings two proofs that one day can serve for two different things, right? So we have two examples. The first example is with mourning. Um, if a person uh, buries a, an immediate relative, three days before a festival, so meaning they sat Shiva uh, for three days, 
before a festival, meaning Pesach, Shavuot, uh, su- sorry, Pesach, Sukkot, or Shavuot, um, or Rosh Hashanah, or Yom Kippur, uh, the Shiva is canceled um, because the idea is uh, that Shiva is um, right, the morning period of seven days is really broken up into two parts, the first three and the last four. So if you did the first three and then you got to a festival, the festival cancels the Shiva. So too, if you you uh, had eight days, meaning seven days of Shiva plus another day of um what we call shloshim, which is right the the thirty days right after uh, after Shiva. Again, it's thirty days from the burial. Um, so if you did eight days, right, basically if a person died eight days before a festival, so then the shloshim is canceled by the festival, and you can get a haircut um, before, even before the festival. Uh, another opinion is even after seven days, all right? And this person says that day seven counts for Shiva, meaning it's the last day of Shiva, and it's the first day of Shloshim, of the rest of the morning period. So we see that day seven counts for both. Um, so then the Gemara says, well, maybe that's not a good example because maybe that's only for um, bib, um, rabbinic uh, things such as mourning, right, dirabanan, and not for deoraita, right, meaning not for biblically mandated things like being a nazir. So now we bring um, the next case. So the next case is about um, a woman who uh, stains. Uh, now, uh, we have seen this before, but I'll just explain it again. Um, we have the concept of a woman becoming impure uh, when she has, uh, when she menstruates, right? That's called a nida. Um, the Gemara also, uh, the Torah actually, uh, says that if a woman uh, stains in the middle of the month, not when she's expecting her period, she's called a zava. So what happens um, if she sees blood for one day? Uh, so she waits for the to the next day. Uh, the next day, if she doesn't see anything, uh, she goes to the mikvah and she is pure. Um, if let's say she does see blood on that second day, she waits another day. Uh, again, if she doesn't see blood on the third day, she goes to the mikvah and she is impure. She is pure. If she sees blood on that third day, she now becomes what's called a zavagdola, a big zava, and now she has to wait seven clean days, uh, and then she goes to the mikvah, and then she brings a sacrifice. So here is our case. Uh, it's actually Erev Pesach. Uh, and as we know, uh, Erev Pesach, you join a group and you sacrifice the uh, the Korban Pesach, the uh, sacrifice for the Pesach. And then that night, right, that night, Seder night, you eat the Korban Pesach. Um, only people that are pure, right, who are not impure, can uh, be part of the group on Erev Pesach to sacrifice the, the sacrifice. And they have to be pure then that night in order to eat it. So 
That was a little introduction. So now, here is the case. The woman, a woman saw blood one day. Uh, then the next day, the next day is Erev Pesach. Uh, she doesn't see blood in the morning, so she says, great, I'm pure. She goes to the mikvah. Now they, um, they um, sacrifice the Korban Pesach with her in mind, and then she sees blood later on that day, which means she can't eat the Korban that night. So the Gemara says uh, she can't eat the Korban at night, but she doesn't need to do Pesach Sheni. If you remember, um, we get a uh, do-over or a, a second chance uh, according to the Torah and the Gemara in Masachat Pesachim, we learned that if a person couldn't bring the Korban Pesach when you needed to, they have a, another chance a month later. So the Gemara explains that um, because she was pure in the morning when they sacrificed the animal, uh, she is seen as if she uh, sacrificed that Korban Pesach, and therefore she doesn't need to do Pesach Sheni. Um, but she also becomes impure. So the Gemara here teaches us that that day, that era of Pesach, is seen as two different things, right? She's also seen as being pure and also seen as being impure. So we see that one day can count for two different things. Um, and therefore, um, the Gemara says <coughs> that um, really, in, right, there's a question if when a person becomes impure, is it retroactive to the whole day or not? Uh, right? And this, uh, this example seems to say not. Uh, however, the Gemara says maybe that's not the case. Maybe just specifically in this case, with a zava, with a woman who stains in the middle of the month, um, she, uh, her impurity does not go retroactively, and therefore she does not need to bring her a sacrifice for Pesach Sheni, um, but she is impure and cannot eat from the Korban Pesach. Uh, and with that, uh, we finished the second chapter of Masechet uh, Nazir. Um, and um, we will continue next week. Uh, Leah asks an interesting question, right? Do people still become Nazirs nowadays? Uh, that is an excellent question. Uh, there was a famous um, rabbi uh, in the 20th century who was called the Nazir, uh, seemingly because he did take on uh, the, the idea of becoming a Nazir. Um, it's interesting because nowadays we don't have a temple, uh, which would mean that there's no way to uh, end the Nizirut process. Uh, so I think it is extremely complicated, uh, and therefore uh, I would suggest not to try it at home. Um, but I, I do think that maybe um, the concept is there, maybe more theoretically uh, and less uh, technically, right? Uh, maybe he took on, I have to look a little bit more into what, uh, you know, what the idea was for him, um, but I think it's a way to um, elevate oneself spiritually. Uh, but again, definitely in the Torah, 
the point was to do it temporarily, and nowadays that would not be possible. So uh, I definitely uh, do not uh, do not suggest to try this at home. Um, okay, wishing everyone a wonderful week. Tu bishvat sameach for those of you who celebrated Tu bishvat uh, yesterday, um, and. Um, Be'ezrat Hashem, we will meet next week in our regular scheduled time. So wishing everyone a wonderful week, everyone. Bye, Bye-bye.